0: Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of A Catholic Life, and this is the third episode of the new A Catholic Life Podcast. In today's episode, on the second Sunday of Lent, I would like to go over three things. One, an interesting new article that I wrote called Proving That Our Lord Jesus Christ Was a Real Person uh, from an Apologetic Standpoint. Two, I'd like to discuss the upcoming feast days of this week, specifically with an emphasis on St. Thomas Aquinas and St. John of God, since each of them show us so much that we can learn from this Lenten season. And three, as I've been doing in the previous episodes, I'd like to discuss a votive feast, that is, the votive feast in honor of the Holy Shroud, which is kept in some places on Friday after the second Sunday of Lent. This one, in particular, is kept in Turin, in Italy. To start, though, I'm happy to announce to everybody that Meaning of Catholic, the publisher behind Our Lady of Victory Press, has announced its online shop and the PDFs of my newest books, The one on the Roman Catechism explained from the modern world and the other on fasting and absence are now available for sale at meaningofcatholic.com backslash shop. That's meaningofcatholic.com backslash shop. For the fasting one in particular, there are versions of English, Spanish, and Polish all available. Even though we are already into the season of Lent, it's so important that if, if if somebody is not fully practicing the fast yet, there is still time. As our Lord reminded us in the Gospel on Septuagesima Sunday in the parable of the vineyard, even if we show up late to the harvest and we only work half the time or even less, we still get the same reward. So it is with the Lenten fast. If you have not been observing the strict Lenten fast of one meal a day except on Sundays and total abstinence from all meat and really from all animal products like eggs, dairy, and cheese, there is still time to get on the boat. There's still time to join us practicing this fast. So please, if you'd like to learn more about the forgotten history of fasting or absence, please check out those PDFs now available for sale. They're only $9.99 each. To topic one, My newest article, Proving that Our Lord Jesus Christ was a Real Person, uh, this was the subject of a recent article I wrote for the Fatima Center and posted on their website. I would encourage everybody to go check it out. It's also the subject of an upcoming article I've written for Catholic Family News on the topic. For this, though, the question, is our Lord Jesus Christ a real historical person? Unfortunately, it comes up sometimes in discussions with people, especially atheists, who claim that our Lord was made up, that there's no actual historical evidence outside the gospel that he actually existed. However, we have ample evidence from ancient Roman, Jewish, and Christian sources. In fact... The presence of his life documented through non-Christian sources is further testimony of the verifiability of his life, since even non-believers saw it necessary to document his impact on the world at the time. One such example is the ancient Roman historian Plubius Cornelius Tacitus, who lived from around 56 to 120 A.D., Ancient Jewish sources further illustrate the historical reality of Christ's life on earth. The great 20th century apologist Monsignor Fenton refers to Flavius Josephus, a contemporary of the apostles, in an example of providing such evidence. And we have many ancient Christian sources as well documenting our Lord's admirable life on earth. We have the Gospels and the books that are in the Holy Bible, but more so we have the ancient testimonies of St. Justin Martyr, St. Irenaeus, Origen, Tertullian, all supporting the historical reality of Christ's life on earth. Jesus Christ is an unquestionably real historical person who walked this earth. To reject this conclusion is to reject the manifestly obvious historical evidence. Please read the full article entitled Proving Jesus Christ Was a Real Historical Person, on the website of Fatima.org to be empowered if you encounter somebody who ever voices such heresies. Topic two, as I like to do in these episodes, I like to go over some upcoming feasts or fast days this week, Fasting, of course, we're still in Lent, so every day is going to be a day of fasting and absence except on Sundays, which are traditionally days of absence still, but not fasting. But feast days this week are interesting. Even though in the 1962 Missal, we still have the feria of Lent taking precedence over these feast days, they're still going to be commemorated in the liturgy, and we should still invoke the patronage of these saints. This week, for instance, we have Saints Perpetua and Felicity on the 6th, St. Thomas Aquinas on the 7th. St. John of God on the 8th, St. Francis of Rome on the 9th, and the 40 Holy Martyrs on the 10th. In particular, I'd like to focus on St. Thomas Aquinas and St. John of God. For instance, St. Thomas Aquinas, known as both the common doctor and the angelic doctor, is one of the greatest sources of intellectual inspiration in the history of the world. It's especially ironic that St. Thomas who was dubbed the dumb ox by some, would become recognized as one of the most brilliant scholars in the history of the Church. Having written more than just the Summa, we sing hymns written by him each time at benediction and the Blessed Sacrament when we sing the O Solitaris Hostia and the Tantum Ergo. His presence lives on. He was only 49 years old when he was called home to heaven, and exactly 49 years later, he was canonized by Pope John Twenty-Second in 1323. St. Thomas was officially declared a doctor of the Church in 1567 by Pope St. Pius V, and his feast day has traditionally been celebrated on March 7th up until the disastrous effects of the Second Vatican Council. It is still, though, celebrated on such a day in the traditional Roman calendar. The Dominican Rite calendar keeps his feast also on March 7th, and keeps a second feast day in his honor on March 28th in honor of the translation of his relics. We see this as well in a lot of different uh, orders because the reason is that during Lent you cannot celebrate octaves. You can celebrate octaves, especially of your patron and your founders, outside of Lent. Above all, Thomistic philosophy has been the cornerstone of seminary formation since the formation of seminaries themselves after the, the Protestant revolved in the 1500s. A Catholic would be hard-pressed to study any area of theology where the writings and teachings of St. Thomas Aquinas are not integral to the doctrine at hand. St. Thomas Aquinas is truly the glory of the Dominican Order and one of the most intelligent saints that God has ever blessed the Church with. And unfortunately, part of the disastrous effects of modernism infecting the Church and seminaries has been the putting aside of his teachings. We can all do our best to learn from them. Not all of his works are as complicated as a Summa. We should do something, though, to always study and learn the Catholic faith. That's why his writings or form a part of the CatechismClass.com program that I'm associated with, though, of course, they're always augmented with other things, since most people are not well-equipped to just read St. Thomas directly. Also worth mentioning this week is St. John of God, especially as we strive to do more penance and good works during this Lenten season. As a young man, St. John of God led a raucous life, and one devoid of emphasis on our Lord and on, and on God entirely. St. John of God lived as a mercenary and fought with the army under Charles V throughout Europe and Northern Africa. It was not until he was more than 40 years old he realized the severity of his sins. He received a brilliant vision of the infant Jesus who called him John of God. To make up for all the misery he caused others as a soldier, he rented a house in Granada, Spain to care for the poor, the needy, and the unwanted. He lived then completely for our Lord Jesus Christ, during this time, and he served the Lord diligently. St. John of God gave whatever he had and begged for what he needed. He even converted his patients and those who saw him work with them. St. John of God founded the Order of Charity and the Order of the Hospitallers of St. John of God, building two hospitals through only the alms he raised. He was a friend of St. John of Avila, and he even had the stigmata. On March 8, 1550, St. John of God died in Granada while praying before a crucifix from an illness he contracted while saving a drowning man. He was canonized on October the 16th, 1690 by Pope Alexander VIII and Pope Leo the XIII added his name to the Litany of the Dying. This March 8th, please pray the Litany of the Dying, especially for your Lenten penance. And lastly, the third topic I'd like to discuss in this short Third episode of the A Catholic Life podcast is the Votive Feast of the Holy Shroud. Now, the Holy Shroud has been subjected to a variety of scientific examinations to confirm its authenticity using scientific methods. In fact, the Turin Center of Colorado has demonstrated that the fold marks found on the Shroud indicated that it once resided in Constantinople in the 10th through 11th centuries. That is in contrast to those who claim that the Shroud was a 14th century forgery. Such a claim corroborates historians who maintain that the Lord's burial cloth was in the possession of the Byzantine emperors before the sack of Constantinople in 1204. And I guess I should go back to say, if anybody is not aware, the Holy Shroud is believed to be the burial cloth in which our Lord Jesus Christ was buried. Now, the Holy See remained silent a long time, and whether the Shroud in that is now kept in Turin was indeed Our Lord's Burial Shroud. It wasn't until 1940 that a nun obtained authorization from the Archdiocese of Milan to produce the Holy Face Medal with the image of the Holy Shroud. And Pope Pius XII subsequently approved the image in 1958 in connection with devotion to the Holy Face and the Feast of the Holy Face, which he instituted to be said on Shrove Tuesday of each year in reparation for the offenses of Mardi Gras. That was the subject of a previous episode. Closer to our times, even Pope Benedict Sixteenth has expressed his own belief in the authenticity of the Shroud of Turin as our Lord's burial cloth. As stated in the Catholic Encyclopedia, in 1206, one of the supposed winding sheets used at the burial of Christ was brought forth, and a feast of its arrival was ordered to be kept by the Church on July the 11th. At present, it was a double of the first class in the cathedral and of the second class in the diocese. The office was noted for its beauty. Another feast originated around 1495 to honor the so-called winding sheets of Christ, which came there in 1432 from Burgundy, and which since 1578 is venerated in the royal chapel of the Cathedral of Turin. This feast is kept on the 4th of May, which is the day after the finding of the Holy Cross, which is in the pre-1962 Missal. And this feast on the 4th of May, kept in this place, was approved in 1506 by Julius II. It's now kept in Savoy, Piedmont, Sardinia, as the patronal feast of the Royal House of Savoy. Now the feast in question here, that is of the Holy Shroud, uh, has since 1831 been contained in the appendix to the breviary, and it is listed for the Friday after the second Sunday of Lent. It's independent of any Particular relic, but before 1831, it was rarely found in diocesan calendars. It has not yet found its way into the Baltimore Ordo, as the Catholic Encyclopedia notes, but the office is taken from the propers used in Turin. All of this to say is that the Church has for a long time honored the Holy Shroud through various liturgical celebrations. It goes back, as I've noted, several hundred of years. While it's kept in Turin, it is kept around the world in the hearts of those who wish to honor our Lord. So if you'd like more information on this particular votive Feast or on any of the other feasts I mentioned, St. Thomas Aquinas or St. John of God, Please go to acatholiclife.blogspot.com, and if you're on the desktop version, you'll see a link in the right-hand sidebar. Uh, the heading says Top Categories and Lists, relative, uh, relatively near the top, but you'll just scroll down, maybe a little bit more like the middle, and you'll see a link there to Roman Catholic Feast Days. Click that, and you'll find more information. Above all, may God continue to grant all of you a most blessed Lent. Hold to the fast. Do it all for the honor of God. And thank you for listening. Thank you for everybody who has supported me and has asked me to come forth to do such a podcast. I hope it is for your, uh, for your assistance. I hope you can share what you learn with others. And I hope all of you have a great and holy remainder of this Lenten season. Keep the traditional Catholic faith. Ad Maiorum Dei Gloriam. We do